podcast, a weekly quest to figure out what's the deal with the internet. On this episode, you can get books and shoes from the World Wide Web, but is it possible to find true love? I'm being told yes, that happens all the time. Find out more on this week's thrilling adventure. Merge into the HOV lane of the information superhighway with your drivers, Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula. Hey guys, I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, a One Podcast. Ali and I are performers who have been using the internet as our script for a lot of years in our show blog logs, which we perform live on stage. From there, we developed um, different projects, including a web series where we interviewed people behind internet posts. That's called Two Girls, One Show. It's on Hoo Ha Ha. And now we are doing Two Girls, One Podcast with The Daily Dot, uh, where we interview people behind internet communities and phenomena that we find really interesting. Uh, So welcome. We're happy that you're here. Welcome, Ali. Thanks. <laughs> Welcome to you. <laughs> it's our podcast. <laughs> Glad to be here. Today's show, uh, I feel like, has been a long time coming. I feel that way as well. Yeah. As you guys know, we've talked pretty much about online dating in the show. We had Gary Kremen, the founder of Match.com on the show. Uh, it, it just it keeps coming up. We've also been talking about Matt writing your online dating profile for you for a long time. <laughs> I know. I'm the delinquent here because I've been so sick of online dating recently. I mean, which is exactly why I should get on this and have Matt do it for me. But it's like I haven't even sat down to make to like send him the information. No, it's all good. Cleanse yourself. Cleanse your soul. Take a break from it for a while and then come back and uh, we'll do it. I'm also focusing on learning to sleep again and then date. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hi, Matt. How's it going? Hey, I'm good. (laughs) Good. Uh, So today we're talking with somebody who's known as the Tinder Whisperer, although I think she works across apps. What's interesting about this person is that I don't know that she herself ever online dated. She's been married, according to an article I read, 16 plus years, maybe more at this point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But what she does is she matchmakes for people on dating apps. She does all of the uh, setting up of the profiles if you need that. She communicates with people for you, I think, until a first date. So it's basically like what we were asking Matt to do. Yeah. And actually, the fact that she's married with two kids means that Matt will be great because he's married with two kids. (laughs) (laughs) I never realized that to be a Tinder expert, that was uh, the the background that you needed. Uh, But this is great. Do you understand what the dating landscape is like if you've never experienced it personally? Or are you better at understanding what makes a good relationship work if you have a good relationship that currently works? I or can is see it both kind sides. of both, right? Like you have a relationship that works and you're also not like jaded by online dating, yeah. but like you're also not, it's not, it's not as high stakes for her. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. If you're doing it by proxy, I don't know. It's just like all those dilemmas that come up kind of aren't there, I guess. Totally. And something else that just occurred to me, which is making a ton of sense for this to be a job, like a dating consultant or like a a profile running system, is that 99% of people are so bad at creating internet content. They're so bad at taking photos. They're so bad at posting statuses online. And so in every other industry, you would hire someone to like make a video for you or manage your social media presence. But in this dating world, we don't really think of that because it's so personal. Right. Yeah. And is it cheating? Like, I don't, uh, not, not infidelity, but like, are you, right. are you, you know? It's infidelity. <laughs> Every time I <laughs> swipe, I'm cheating on Jen. Uh, I, I don't know much about Tinder, but are you cheating by going on Tinder? 
if you're married, I mean, you're yes. Cheating at, you're cheating at life, I think. Cheating, at, cheating life, at life. Yeah, yeah perhaps. Um, and as we learned in our subtle Asian dating episode, uh, sometimes it is kind of hard to judge, to write your own profile that it might be more objective if somebody else does it for you. Of course, as we know in this case, the person on the other end doesn't know that somebody else is speaking for you, which is sort of interesting. <laughs> and I wonder if people f- would feel duped. Yeah. Yeah. They have no idea they're actually yeah. <laughs> chatting with this married lady. Wait, so she actually acts as the, she manages the account like yes. she acts as the chat? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I think she does everything until the date. Wow. Yeah, we're gonna have to learn like what her how her psychology background ties into this, but she learns people's like speech patterns and like things that they would say and talks in their voice for them. Isn't that crazy? It actually makes a lot of sense as a performer. Like we should we should be doing this, except we, for we don't do- <laughs> have a proven track record of success. Yeah. But maybe us with Matt combined, like the three of us could start a matchmaking. Uh, a service. If you, yeah. Huh. If any listeners would like us to potentially matchmake for them on a dating app, let us know. <laughs> I don't know. I think we should work on me first. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're, you're the trial run. You're the test case. I'm the guinea piglet yeah. and then maybe some audience members. I hope you're going to ask this in the interview. I'm sure you will. But like, I have to know, like, how does she or the client reveal to the, the date that it was her all along? Do you ever reveal it? And what are the ethics of that? And how do people take it? Right? I mean, is it no big deal? Yeah, I think she I think an interview with her that we read said that sometimes people let the person know on the first date and sometimes they never do. I think mm. we'll have to ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So I'm curious, Matt, if you were to be matchmaking for Allie, what would you be looking for in other in people like the people that you're swiping through? Like, I'm just curious, are you looking at like people's education? Would you be just looking at like, do they have a good smile? <laughs> do they have a good sense of humor? What about spelling errors? <laughs> like, I'm just curious what you'd be looking for. Mm. Oh, Matt, you better fucking nix the spelling errors. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I can't date a dude who doesn't know the difference between your and your there, there, there. I can't do it. No. We're we're on the same page. Okay. But but here's what I would say. We've talked about this a little bit uh, on the show. Yeah. And my answer is still the same. And it's funny because it's the same thing I tell like video clients or creative clients. Like, what are your goals? There are no rules for like making content. So if your goal is to find a perfect person who like is going to be your life partner and is going to be a stable emotional rock. And so that's going to be someone, then those sensibilities will be taken into account. But if you just want someone who's like a lot of fun and you can go dancing with and have a, you know, six month on and off relationship, I don't know. Like, what do you want, Allie? Wait, can I have both? Can I have like the emotional rock who also likes to go dancing? (laughs) Maybe, but I think you're starting to carve away at the statistics of like finding both is statistically much harder. And what are, you know, what's your pie graph of like, what are the most important things? And if you have to trade one for the other, which one is higher on the priority list, right? Well, this is interesting. What do you guys think should be expendable? Mm. Well, I, I just wanted to say that there actually is a statistic that if you like to dance, you, you, you will never get married. Yeah, oh no, that, is, that is fact. Jen, why would you say that? Have you, haven't you ever seen Footloose? That's why they outlawed dancing. <laughs> It's, ve- it's yeah, very, it's very, true. very I think that's pretty much the plot of the movie. <laughs> you know, now that I'm thinking about it, all my single girlfriends in their 30s love to dance. Maybe we should like dancing a little less. <laughs> oh, no. This is terrible. I'm out. No. No. What else do you guys think is expendable? All right. What's expendable? Well, well, uh, but what's your goal? What's your goal, though? Really, honestly speaking. No, honestly, I'm looking. For, I would love a life partner. It would be great. Got it. The cool, old cool. LP. Right, okay. The old the, we're LP. We're looking for the LP. <laughs> 
so what's expendable? I'm going to say spelling errors unless, <laughs> <laughs> unless they're like egregious. But I think one improper your or there should not eliminate someone. Oh, <laughs> well, if we're talking like Maybe. we've been on some dates and like down the line, a text message has a spelling mm-hmm. error. That's okay. Yeah, Ali will allow one or two. But like okay. if there's a spelling error in your profile, like you didn't, you didn't fucking proofread that. Ali, didn't you once date somebody who like spelled their own name wrong on a professional <laughs> website? Yeah. Yes, I did. Oh my god, are we telling this story? <laughs> we might I not met need this to. Dude. <laughs> no, go ahead. I met this dude at the Magic Castle, and he. What is that? Oh, it's this incredible place in LA where all these like world-renowned magicians perform. Oh, it's it's incredible, cool. and uh, you have to know a magician to get in. I think there are other ways to get in that Ooh. probably involve lots of money. Okay. But um, I went to see this variety show and there were a bunch of magicians in it. And so after the variety show, I went and talked to the magicians. And at some point I was like, who wants to take me to the magic castle? <laughs> <laughs> and this one guy was like, I'll take you. I was like, can I bring two friends? So this magician took us to the magic castle. I picked up this dude while I was there who's super cute. So cute, but so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Magician or no? Was he a magician? No, he's not a magician. He just yeah. And then I found his website, and his name was spelled wrong at the top. (laughs) 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 Which is like, I'm sure he knows how to spell his own name, but like, it just meant that he didn't, you know, to be that careless that you don't take the time. I think that's a clear sign. Well, I guess it's more about in a dating profile, like carelessness. Maybe one misspelling, but like if, if there are a couple, then the person did not no, take the time. No, I think time. no misspellings in the profile because first of all, I'm talking about like Bumble and Tinder. You've got two sentences. You can't make sure there are no spelling yeah, errors true. in your two <laughs> sentences. All right. We will not be forgiving of spelling errors in the profile. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, let me put something forward. And I think this might be a, an interesting way to frame it. We keep painting with these broad brushstrokes of like, I want someone who's going to dance and be my fun partner, but also be the life partner. And I wish you the best in that endeavor. I know that person's out there, but perhaps... Do you? Uh, <laughs> we know. Well, no, I don't know with confidence. Perhaps you're, you'll are you be alone forever. But <laughs> think about it this way. Your life partner is someone who is that emotional rock who gets you, who deeply understands you and, and uh, like jives well with you and like can live with you for the long term. They don't necessarily have to share your interests. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I'm joking, but like I can go dancing with my gays and call it a day. Like, I don't. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, cool. All right. So you are open to that. They don't have to be like perfectly aligned on your, with your adventurous spirit. They just have to be aligned, sort of obviously, like chemistry wise, emotionally, that sort of stuff. Let's talk about chemistry, guys. Okay. Let's talk about it. Is it real and can it be built or is it there or not there? Hmm. Great question. Um, Hold on, I'm just pulling up my pants and sitting back. <laughs> I don't know. Whoa, whoa. What? what is going on? I don't know. Um, the beauty of podcasting. Jen wasn't wearing any pants. We've already talked about that. Yeah, we, we podcast uh-huh. pants here. Uh, uh-huh. So, I don't know. A friend of mine was asking me about this recently, too, because she makes a decision pretty much right away at the, uh, on a like first or second date about chemistry. And she was asking, like, you know, if I'm not actively feeling that uh should i just let it go or yeah or is it something that can be built like when do you know i don't know my answer to her was like if you really don't want to have any physical contact with the person when you meet them like if you're feeling actively repulsed definitely don't see that person again not not worth the effort yeah for sure yeah but i certainly have had the experience and i think a lot of people have that you don't know maybe for either a couple dates or until you 
kiss them or like something can spark a little bit later. But I would give it like a one month cutoff or something like that. <laughs> That's my feeling. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Well, so then I so then you're saying I did the right thing because the guy I was seeing, we broke it off because there was no chemistry. <laughs> oh, no. Did you did you was this the person who had go you thought ghosted and then didn't? Yeah, no, he didn't ghost. But then we had a talk this weekend about how we check each other's boxes, but there's no chemistry. Hmm. Oh, that's a good way to, to talk about it. I like that. Yeah. Uh, well, let me ask, did, did you both agree? Were, were you both of that mind? Yeah, I think we both about agree. But I was also like. Uh, you know, there's details we really shouldn't get into in the podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I was like, maybe there are things that could be done. You know what I mean? But yeah, was, I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what is chemistry? I mean, clearly it's physical attraction. I, I don't know. I do kind of think it's like there or it's not. Yeah, yeah I agree. But it's just too bad because he was like so nice and so cute. Right. Also weird to not have chemistry with someone who's so cute. <laughs> Yeah, that, that is weird. <laughs> but even in a platonic or professional uh, relationship, and we've talked about this, there's just people in the world where you're like, I like this person. I want to be around yeah. them because we jive. We are, we are like professionally or emotionally like uh, simpatico. And then there's people where you're just like have to deal with them because they're your coworker or your friend's friend. And you're just like, I got nothing with this person. Male or female yeah. has nothing to do. It's just like a mentality, a vibe, you know? Yeah, like I'm going to say, I think we have chemistry. The three of us. Mm. We have chemistry, guys. <laughs> it's funny because I don't feel it at all. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I knew it. But no, Matt, it was, exactly, it was exactly what you said. I was dating two guys around like December, January. And like one of them was like a maniac and we'd go dancing and we'd have so much fun. But I was like, this guy is not going to be my emotional mm-hmm. rock. Like he's going to be a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And then the other guy was like so nice and so good to me, but like no chemistry. I just want to combine them into one human. Based on my limited, you know, scope here, I think you're making choices and making eliminations based on the right thing. If you were eliminating based on common interest, I'd say, oh man, you, you know, your net's not wide enough. But yeah. I, I think stability plus chemistry is core, like baseline prerequisite. And if you don't have either of them, it's not a long-term thing, I don't think. Yeah. All right. Well, then I made the right choice. Now someone fix my insomnia, please. Uh, <laughs> cool. Well, Matt, I think that you should take copious notes during this next interview because yeah. this is going to be the roadmap for how you run my dating profile. 100%. I am in. Before we get to our interview, we have to take a break. But before the break, we must do trivia. Okay. <laughs> must do. Let's do it. I don't make the rules. <laughs> Who I does make the rules, do. Matt? You make the rules, hmm, Matt. Interesting. All right. I'll, I'll read up on that. Okay. Consult your rule book. <laughs> Today's trivia is about dating. In 2017, a woman requested all of her personal data from Tinder, which she is legally entitled to do under European law. Shout out to Europe for giving a shit about online privacy. If you're listening to us in Europe and you have a problem with a social app or network, you can request your data from that platform. It is legally guaranteed to you. That's pretty cool, I think. Woo-woo. That's awesome. With the help of a human rights lawyer and a privacy activist, she eventually received all of her data from Tinder. How many pages of data did they send her? Now, for context... Oh, this is good. She says yeah. in this article that she opened the app 920 times and matched with 870 people of whom she dated some, she became friends with some, and of course she ghosted some. So sounded like a fairly normal Tinder user, a single person over the course of a few years using Tinder. How many pages of data? And again, I'm saying pages of like, I assume, you know, 0.12 font, text filling up a page... 
How many pages of data are we talking about? Your choices are A, 80 pages, B, 800 pages, or C, 8,000 pages of data from normal Tinder use. 8,000. This, uh, I'm going to go with 8,000 too. This is a dummy question, but what would that include? Like every single message that was ever sent between her and somebody else, what else would be yes. in there? Uh, b- yeah. Basically everything that she's ever done on Tinder. But as we know with apps like this, they plug into other accounts. They can be connected in other dimensions. And, you know, a swipe might just be like one data point, but a swipe on a certain person might mean you like this age or you like that demographic or this profession or this face. You know, there's... I'm sure that Tinder is extrapolating lots and lots of data out of every uh, thing, gesture that you do. You know what makes me so mad? I bet it's 8,000. And it also points to the fact that these date, that these apps actually could do a better job matching people, but that's right. not what they're interested in doing, right? Because everyone who has a successful relationship off Tinder is no longer a Tinder user. And granted, there are always people aging in, but I think so many of these apps don't actually care if you meet anyone. Like, they have so much data, they could only be serving you people that you might like, and they don't. We talked to Gary Kremen about this, founder of Match.com, and he he would disagree with you. He, he kind of made the point that like, if an app never matched people and nobody lived happily ever after, then people would stop using the app. The more success stories that come out of like, my friend met on Tinder, now they're married. Like that gets more, over the long term, that gets more people. Yeah, but I think it's a tiny percentage that keeps everyone Perhaps. swiping. Perhaps. There's yeah. like the 10% who met and so people keep swiping, but they could actually increase those numbers. Apparently Hinge is the only one that is now using some kind of algorithm to actually show you every day who they think your best match would be. I'm not on Hinge, so I'm not sure. Hmm. Also, I probably need to join Hinge. Also, maybe Matt will run a Hinge profile. (laughs) This is very conspiratorial of you. This is like saying drug companies can cure cancer. They have the cure, but they're just keeping people sick to sell more pills. Like that's the territory. It's not as dark, obviously, but that's the territory. Don't we all secretly believe that? Yeah, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Um, I'm 8,000 across the board. 8,000. Jen's going with C, 8,000. Allie, what's your answer? 8,000. Two for 8,000. We will find out the correct answer after this commercial break. And now the real dating profile for Allison23 from the mobile application that brings all the boys to the yard, Tinder. Our relationship should be like Nintendo 64. Classic. Fun to spend hours with. And every issue easily fixed. By blowing on it, then shoving it back in. Five foot nine. Dancer emoji. Uh, Do you think that works? Like, blowing it off and... (laughs) No. I mean, it certainly worked on... N64. I, I don't yeah. know. On any cartridge, any cartridge-based gaming system, that is the solution. And I think for relationships, it's going to work too. It's a game. It's all a big game. Yeah, sure. It's all a game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. I'm in. <laughs> Do you guys want the trivia answer? Yes. We need it. Although I know it's 8,000. You're so confident. A woman in Europe requested all of her personal data from Tinder, which she was legally allowed to do under European law. Eventually, Tinder handed it over and sent her a lot of pages of data. How many pages? 80, 800, or 8,000? Y'all both picked 8,000. That's correct. It's gotta be. The correct answer is B, 800. 
Wah wah. <laughs> wah wah, Matt. I know you hate these number <laughs> I mean, ones, still but it's still wah. Okay, okay, okay. I see what you did there. And uh, I found this to be fascinating and terrifying because we know these apps collect data. It's so much, but I think the more nefarious thing that I am so um, conscious of- It's so much. Is that when you log in with Facebook into these third-party apps, it's also collecting your Facebook data. So not just the swipes in your uh, Tinder profile, but every single thing you've liked or interacted with or commented or messaged on Facebook is also being collected and retargeted and whatever on Tinder. Tinder is using that data as a third-party developer to, I don't know, improve its app or you know sell it to other advertisers or fourth parties. Who the, the heck knows? But she just opened up this trove of documents and found every single Facebook like she had done since uh, starting Tinder, links to her own Instagram photos, though she says she had deleted her Instagram account, the age rank of men she was interested in, how many Facebook friends she had, and when and where every online conversation with every single one of my matches happened. And then the other thing was, you know, this reminder that like when you type a message into a uh, into a platform and on Tinder, I imagine the messages are very can get very intimate and sexual like that data is there. And theoretically, it's just on a server. But like anyone at Tinder could open that up and print out the messages. So like, yes, it's secure, but it is still owned and accessible by anyone there. And all of her messages that she had ever sent to like 900 people were in, just in this document. They just printed out and sent it to her, sent, sent it to her. And I don't know, it's Do just a know, reminder. How did she react to it? Was there anything about that? Her story was just basically like, wow, all of my deep, dark secrets that I, you know, she's very, obviously very- well, maybe don't put your deep, dark secrets on the internet. Yeah, but Definitely when you're talking to a sexual partner on the internet, uh, I could see why most people would get trapped by this uh, this kind of way that we communicate in relationships these days. Yeah. It's, I don't it's, know. It's worrisome. Okay. What I find most nefarious is that they have enough data to be matching everyone more properly, mm -hmm. and they don't. Mm -hmm. Tune in next week to Conspiracies with Allie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's interview time. We're very excited to have with us Meredith Golden, who is a matchmaker who ghostwrites dating profiles. Welcome, Meredith. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. I feel like I didn't accurately describe what it is that you do. So I think to get started, we'd love for you to just state exactly what it is that you do. <laughs> sure. I really consider myself a dating expert and an expert on the dating apps. So part of my job is people seek me out to help them on the dating apps, writing the messages as them for them because they struggle with it and they need the help. But in addition to that, I really just help people write their profiles, teach them how to use the apps and get them set up for success. Even without me, I'll say, hey, this is what you do. You do A, B, and C. Oh, you've been doing D, E, and F. Why don't we, we replace it with this behavior? I think you'll have more success. Or someone might come to me and say, I'm spending two hours a day on the app. And I'll say, that's crazy. Why would you spend that much time? You have a life. Let's cut it down. Let's be more efficient. And I'll teach them what to do so that they have the skill set to do it on their own and not have it feel like a full-time job. So you're giving people back their sanity. <laughs> 
I am. I mean, I love the technology of dating apps. I think this world is phenomenal and I am very excited and happy that it exists. But I understand that people are just exhausted and they don't know how to do it. And like everything in life, they outsource what they need help in. If someone needs to paint their house and they don't know how to paint their house, well, they hire a painter. And if someone needs to have a computer system set up in their home and they don't know how to set it up, they hire someone. And in many ways, it's the same with hiring me. Someone just needs a tutorial. They need someone to teach them how to do it. That's true. I confirm. It's literally <laughs> what I said at the top of the show. Just, just putting it out there. I called it. Thank you, Meredith. So how did you get started doing this? I've always been sort of a modern day yenta, and I've always set up my friends for sport. I mean, for 20 years, I've set up my friends, literally just, oh, you're single? Oh, I have a guy. Oh, you're single? I, I want to introduce you to one of my friends. And I happen to have had a high success rate that I didn't think twice about. I thought everyone just did this and everyone loved it as much as I do. Apparently, I was wrong. And I was really just marching along in my life and a bunch of my friends who picked out their own husbands started to get divorced. And I say that because my friends whose husbands I picked out for them are still married. Excellent. Yeah. But the <laughs> friends who picked out their own husbands the first round started to get divorced and, you know, jump cut 10, 15 years later from when we were single and they're back out on the market. I was really blown away by how much technology had advanced and all the apps that were on the market to help our search. I say are because I was so invested in my friends' love lives. And I really just sort of was smitten with it and was like, give me your phone. Let me see. Let me swipe. Let me, let me search the filters. Let me see. What did he write to you? No, he didn't. I mean, I was really just blown away by what was going on in the culture. And I saw really quickly that it was hard, that it was time consuming and not everybody enjoyed it. And I figured I would test it out, see if anyone was interested in having me help. And it seems like people are interested in having me help. So you mentioned that your friends who picked out their own husbands are now divorced. And I know that maybe maybe that was more of a commentary on the ones that on the fact that the ones you set up are still together. But do you see common errors that people make when they're choosing for themselves versus when someone else chooses for them? You know, the couples who got married, I can't say that it was mistakes because you know, things happen in marriages. So I don't necessarily think that when they made their choice at that particular time to make the commitment that it was the wrong decision. I don't think it, that it wasn't a good fit when they married. I think they just didn't sustain the marriage. It happens in a lot of marriages. Marriage is hard. Um, in terms of picking, I think sometimes when someone is picking for themselves, they get stuck on a checklist and they forget that someone could have attributes outside of that checklist and still be great. And it's really hard. It's hard sometimes to step outside of one's comfort zone and try something new. And a lot of the work that I do with clients is that, you know what, I know he or she isn't really checking all your boxes, but sometimes someone will show up checking all of your boxes and it's still not right. Why don't we try it this way? And sometimes it works. Sometimes it works more than others. Sometimes clients are resistant to it. But if what someone is doing hasn't been working for them, it's time to try something else. And it's my job to encourage people to try something else. Who are your clients? <laughs> I know you can't say exactly who they are, but like, what are, are there any commonalities or life stages that people tend to be in? Yeah, well, I get a bunch of people in their 20s who really just, for whatever reason, writing isn't their skill set. And they'll say, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't, no one matches with me. And I really just make sure they have good pictures. It's different. I have a different lens than they have of themselves. So I'm able to say, you know what? This is a great picture. This isn't a great picture. Did you realize you're standing in front of a urinal? Do you realize that this is a <laughs> selfie? Do you realize that your head is cut off? 
<laughs> right? Do you realize that the fish post is really outdated and then a woman is making fun of you? This may not be the best choice of photos. Let's get some new pictures. What do you have? And then I'll go look through their Instagram, look through their Facebook, look through their social media, make them send me new pictures. And if we don't have great pics, I'll make them go get a professional picture. It's really just about having a separate set of eyes as opposed to someone who's in it. They think it's a great picture. And I understand why they think it's a great picture, but they're not looking at thousands and thousands and thousands of profiles on a daily basis the way I am so that I can quickly assess whether or not it's a good picture or bad picture, a good profile or a bad profile, good description, bad description, or somewhere in between. And then people also come to me. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I see it all. Because I've seen a thousand profiles, but I've never seen the women's profiles. So I don't know. Hey, let's go there. What are the stereotypical photos that the men have? And what are the stereotypical photos that the women have? Truthfully, they overlap. There's a lot of headless photos on both. There's a lot of bathroom selfies on both. There's a lot of really bad gym selfie pictures on all. (laughs) There's a lot of tiger pictures, crossing genders. It's, it's unfortunate, but it happens. And there's a lot of people who post pictures with their exes. There are a lot of people that post pictures with their current spouses. I don't know why. Excuse me, what? Um, With their current spouses? Yes. Yes. And there, there are a lot of people who post on apps that are maybe more relationship inclined, but they'll say, Hey, we're in an open relationship looking for a third. And that is fine. There is no judgment for me on anything that anyone is doing, but it's not necessarily the right app for them. There are other apps for that, but if it's the relationship app, you know, it's not necessarily the best fit. They would probably be better off um, targeting a different audience who's looking for that as well. And and those apps do exist. So I, I see, you know, a lot of things that I think, oh, there's room for improvement. And then also I see a bunch of stuff that people do right during the day. And I actually think, oh, I wonder if they're reading my Instagram because they're hitting it out of the park. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that when I see a great profile, I'll be like, you have a great description. That's great. You know, clap, clap, clap. I love it. Bravo. What apps are you working on? And do you see a higher success rate on certain ones of them? Uh, Every app is different. And it's really depending on the client that approaches me and what they're looking for. I mean, I pretty much um, rotate the same seven or eight apps because you need volume on the apps. If you don't have volume, the pool is small and the chances decrease. But most of the big apps that have a good amount of users, I'll use depending on who the client is and what they're looking for and where they live and their age, um, religion. It really just depends on each client. And I might start off with one app and no, yeah, sorry. You said you do multiple apps for one client? Well, depending on the volume that a client gets. So if one app within three days is producing tons of volume, I won't do a second one. I'll basically exhaust that first app, which I'm pretty speedy. So within three to four weeks, I'll typically exhaust that first app. And then once that app is exhausted, I'll add a second. If a client doesn't have enough volume from that one app, and sometimes it happens, you know, maybe in that particular demographic, there aren't as many singles. So in that situation, I will introduce a second app. But if two apps aren't covering it, then something's wrong. Two apps normally will provide enough users to yield enough matches, to yield enough conversations, to yield enough meets to then advance to a date. And so you handle everything until the date? I handle everything until the scheduling. And then once, for example, if I'm a female client, the guy has to ask out. Once the male asks out, I'll turn it over to the client and say, hey, what do you think? And, you know, just as a friendly reminder, all the information that I'm using is the client's information. It is they have given me permission to do this 
job for them. For whatever reason, they're not great at writing. They don't have the time. It's not their skill set. They want to meet someone and they're asking me to do it for them. And they give me all this information. And it is that information that they are giving me about themselves that I'm using. It has nothing to do with me. And the information is really shallow and surfacy. And it is a quick exchange until he asks the female out. And once he asks her to meet, I'll turn over and say, hey, I've been chatting with so-and-so. He's interested in meeting you. What do you think? And she will typically say yes. And on the other side of it, when it's a male client, I will say, hey, we've been chatting with so-and-so. I think we should ask her out. What do you think? And he'll typically say yes. And then we ask her out and she says yes. And then they meet. Sometimes a client may come back and say, you know what? I don't really think that that's a good fit for me. And if it's a hard no, I won't fight them. If I think it's a missed opportunity, I'll say, listen, I think that this has some potential. I think it's worth 20 minutes of your time for one coffee. Worst case scenario, you curse me out after the date and then we move on to the next person. (laughs) Best case scenario, you get a second date and this is your person. You never know. But it's 15, 20 minutes for one cup of coffee. Sometimes you just have to do it. Wait, really? Yes. I'm really bad at getting out that quickly. I feel like I'm there for an hour. Well, then you need to practice your exit. You need to sit down with your friends and you need to polish your exit strategy. (laughs) And I do this with my clients because you know what ends up happening? I am so right. And I'll tell you why I'm so right. Because (laughs) there is nothing worse than going on 10 dates a week and it's 10 hours of your time. Even some of them can go 90 minutes. Yeah, it's a fucking part-time job. And then they order the second drink and you're like, I didn't sign up for a second drink. Oh, I'm stuck here for another 30 minutes. Nobody wants that. You know my life. Yes, I know. I do this all day long. So if you practice this and you've got your exit strategy, right? If he or she goes to order that second drink, you say, you know what? I'd love to have a second drink. Unfortunately, I have an early morning meeting or I'm going to meet my friend for a dinner. How about we do this another time and then you exit? Okay, Jen, after the interview, we're practicing my exit strategy. Yeah, we're going to come up with some phrases. Yes, you just sit down and you have it perfectly polished. Or if it's horrible, you've got your 20 in your back pocket and you just throw it down. I, I have to go. And then you wait, just wait, exit. Wait, wait, what do we think of this? What do we think of this? My, my internet connected smoke detector is telling me my house is on fire. I need to go right now. Sounds a You've little unbelievable, lovely. Matt. No? All right. So I'm sorry. I'm not really in this, I'm not really in this dating world, guys. I'm Matt, sorry. stay in your corner. <laughs> the truth is, if it's really that bad and he or she is completely oblivious to the fact that it's that bad, then that person has bigger issues. But usually two people will know it's not a fit. And if someone does something so offensive that you just need to be lying quick, you just exit. I mean, really, if you feel like you're in danger, if you feel like it's horrid, if you've got goosebumps, you know, you throw your money down on the table or you literally, I have to go, I have a family emergency and you just walk out and you run. You do whatever it is that you need to do. I've never had anyone say, family emergency, need to run. But I have had people throw down their 20 and say, this isn't for me, you know, and exit. And I think if you do it and if the situation warrants it, then you do what you need to do. Are people upset with you when that happens or they understand that that's kind of the name of the game? Well, it's so rare. You know, it it doesn't happen often, but sometimes someone presents one way on an app, even if they don't have a ghostwriter, right? Maybe they Mm -hmm. conceal their personality or they don't admit that they're homophobic or racist or anti-Semitic or whatever it is. And then they show up on the date and they start blabbing all these horrible things. And the client's like, oh, I didn't see this coming, you know, and no one did. It's just that they were really, really polite. They reeled them in and then start spewing hateful information. And it's just not okay. And I I mean, I can count on one hand over almost four years how many times it has happened. 
it's not a lot, but it goes back to setting boundaries. No one should be made to feel uncomfortable. No one should have to sit through something like that. And you just exit. And even if it's a good date and you're having fun, you want to end it on a high note. So even if he or she is going to get that second drink, you really only agreed, you contracted to meet for one drink, right? It was, hey, do you want to get a drink? Not, do you want to get drinks? Do you want to get dinner? Do you want to get drinks and appetizers? Do you want to get brunch? That wasn't the deal. The deal was, hey, do you want to meet for a cup of coffee? Do you want to meet for a drink? And it's up to everybody to be adults and respect the social contract, which is a drink. And if you're going to go for that second drink, at least have the manners to ask the person you're with, hey, how do you feel about a second drink? Unfortunately, not everyone does this and they misread social cues and then they get stuck. But even if it's going really, really well, you still want to end it after one drink and keep the person wanting to see you again, right? You'd contract it for one drink, let it end on a high note, and then have the person ask you out for another date. So Meredith, when you're first looking at people's profiles and swiping on them, um, clearly there are things like if somebody is clearly racist or something like that in their profile that you would absolutely swipe left. But are there more like what what sort of standards do you have for swiping on people for people? <laughs> yeah. Well, I just want to say most people don't announce in their profile if they're racist or homophobic or anti-Semitic. Right. Right. That's, yeah, that's, that'd be a fucking weird tagline, by the way. Right. So mo- <laughs> most people don't announce it. Um, and again, it's few and far between, but, you know, not OK. Um, what do I look for? Really, I come from a place of yes, and I prefer to test the dating pool and see who a client will match with. So I might say yes to everyone and see who they match with. And then I can say to someone, Hey, you know, this is, this is your climate. This is your pool to pick from who, who in here are you open to meeting as opposed to really scrutinizing every single profile? Because just because someone says, Oh, I want A, B, and C doesn't mean A, B, and C is going to show up. And again, doesn't mean just because ABC doesn't show up that their person isn't still in the dating pool. So you handle everything through the ask. And then what do you advise your clients in terms of revealing that you're behind this? Like, do some of them reveal it? Do they not reveal it at all? They don't. I mean, sometimes people fall madly in love and they're like, oh, remember that was first two emails? That wasn't me. Remember those first two messages? That wasn't me. And I'm like, why do you even say anything? Because it doesn't really matter. You know, truthfully, like, oh, I had a better opener. I got his attention. She probably wouldn't have. Yeah. You know, it, it all worked out. Really, the exchange was so quick. It's not like I'm on the date with these two people. They fall in love regardless of whether I was there you know, like all I did was connect them. Mm-hmm. The dating does not happen on the apps. The connecting happens on the app. That's what I facilitate. And then the dating happens in real life. So, you know, a few times the client has shared. Truthfully, the other person's just happy that they got to meet. They found love. It's all good. I prefer that they not say anything, but that's my preference, I guess, if someone wants to. But again, once two people start dating, it's so far from that. Hey, nice to meet you. You play a lot of tennis. Where do you play? How competitive are you? Oh, you like to skydive? You go every year on your birthday for realsies? (laughs) I mean, that stuff is so... It's like has nothing to do with what their relationship and their dating and their courtship. Speaking of for realsies, um, something we're particularly interested in is how you like learn your clients' voices to talk like them. Or maybe it doesn't go that far. But is there an element of that? Well, I do this elaborate intake process and I get a lot of data and I will typically meet with a client. So I'll know if if a client is someone who's going to say going to or gonna or how they speak, what their speech pattern is, if they write the way that they speak or if they're more formal 
in their writing. Typically, if I have a client who's a little bit older, they are more formal in their messaging. If I have someone who's on the younger side, they will message exactly how they speak. And if I know my client well, and typically I do, I'm able to type in their voice and and message in their voice. But again, the data belongs to the client and it's so shallow. I mean, if you saw the exchanges, it's no more than twice a day. By the third or fourth day, someone's pulling the trigger. And if the trigger isn't being pulled, there's a nudge to pull the trigger. And then it's either moving forward or it's getting deleted because there's only so much time to spend on each person. Wait, no more than twice a day? You mean you only send two messages a day? For the, on behalf yes, of- less is more. Less is more. Think about it. When you're in the app and you message someone and one second later, they message you back. You're like, whoa, what's going on here? It's like so intrusive. It's so in your face. Do they not have anybody else messaging them that you're the first message that pops up and they're going to respond? If someone is really on the apps doing a great job, they're corresponding with 20 people. So every time one of those 20 people responds, who has time to respond to all 20 right away? People are working. People have stuff to do. Less is more. This is so educational because I try to have like a conversation first where there's like a back no. and forth banter for a little bit. No, don't do that. No. <laughs> then, right? I bet all those times you have the back and forth banter, it's counterproductive and doesn't advance to a meet because they get bored quickly. You're a stranger. No, no, then we meet. Oh, really? Maybe yeah. you're really good at the banter. She is good at the banter. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm really good at banter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all my right. thing. Yeah, I'm really good at that. <laughs> but it is, a, it is a time suck because you banter and then you meet them and they can't banter in real life. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah, it happens. Yeah, I love, I just, I'm so, so fascinated by this, this difference of like some people talk like, can type like they talk and some people cannot. That is so, and that age factors into that. I love that. It's true. And it's pretty obvious when talking to someone and also I'm emailing and texting with the client just as the ramp up process. So I learn how they, how they text and email and how they communicate through that process so that I'm, it also helps me be them on the apps. But again, it's really shallow, the exchanges. Um, nothing deep is being shared. No one's dating on the apps. It's really, oh, you've got a dog? Oh, your dog is cute. What's your dog's best trip? Oh, your dog qualifies for Mensa. My dog's dumb as a doorknob. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's really whatever the, the data is that belongs to that particular client. And are most of your clients based in Manhattan? My clients are all over the United States, Canada, And I don't have anyone in England at the moment, but I have had clients in London. Wow. Okay. And how many clients do you take at a time? I don't take more than five to seven of the whole shebang. It's really time consuming. Um, I have more room for perfect profiles, dating diagnosis and dating diagnosis plus. Um, But the whole shebang, really, I don't want to dilute my practice. And I'd rather do a great job with a smaller clientele and have them be happy than spread myself too thin. What is Dating Diagnosis Plus? Dating Diagnosis Plus is dating diagnosis, which means I would go into the existing apps that the client is on and I would scroll through to see their current conversations and what they're doing and where there's room for improvement. Mm -hmm. And then I give them instructions how to proceed. And then I also make sure they're on the right app, that their profile, their description, pictures, everything is up to date and A+. Then I will go one step further and the coaching. And with the coaching, I'll basically be on standby for a month. So I'm not doing the swiping and the messaging, but I am on standby. So if a client texts me and says, huh, this flatlines, what do I do? And I'm like, we resurrect it. We let it die. We move on. We do this. We say this. We employ this tactic. This, this is how we move forward. Um, or a client may go on three dates and call me and say, I need to talk. I don't know what to do. We'll have a conversation. I mean, it's really just coaching 
the client for a month to help support them through their journey on the apps, but not messaging and not swiping on their behalf. They do that by themselves. And of the major cities that you work in, do you see different trends in terms of how people behave on the apps? Um, It's not so much city. I think it's really just individual human behavior. I think each person is their own person. And some people think certain behaviors are acceptable. Certain people have more manners than the others. It's really up to each individual. So Meredith, you're married for a long while. And also curious what a typical day looks like for you with work. Um, You know, I'm, I'm a mom and I'm a working mom. So I get my kids off to school. I make lunches. I make sure they're dressed. I make sure that they are dressed weather appropriate. Make sure play dates are scheduled after school activities are scheduled. Um, and I drop them off and I work while they're at school. I shuttle them around after school. And while they're being shuttled to their after school activities, I am working. <laughs> um, just, you know, I just work remotely wherever I am physically located. I'll always have my phone on me. And then really I come home and I do dinner, homework, bath with the kids from like 5.30 to 7. And then my husband usually walks in the door about 7, 7.30. And then from that point, he takes over. And then I work from 7.30 until about 11, 11.30 at night every night. Wow. And then I wake up in the morning and I start all over again. So there's a lot of work behind the scenes. I mean, I try more days than not. But typically, you know, my alarm goes off at 5.45. I try and work out in the morning before the kids get off. I get the kids off to school. I work all day. I do the afternoon with the kids while working, you know, pause for dinner, bath, homework. And then I'm working from 7 until 11, 11.30, 12 o'clock at night. And then I wake up the next day and I do it all over again. That's a lot. It is. It is. It is a lot. um, lot. What is the typical length of engagement for a typical client? Like, are you working with a client? There's like, they hire you for one month or are they hiring you until they get a certain number of dates or how does that work? So I don't make anyone contract, oh, 10 dates or three months. It's really what works for the client. Someone might say, I'm going to come on for a month so I can figure out how to do this on my own. And I say, great, learn how to do it better. And when you master it, if you feel confident after a month, going off and doing it on your own, then I've done a successful job and we were a good team and I'm happy to support the client going forward. Once a client, always a client. If a client works with me for a month and then they come back six months later and they have a question and they send me a text, hey, guess what? This is happening. I've gone on eight dates. Now what do I do? Of course, I will answer their texts and support them in any way. I'm always really invested and very generous with my time. I really root for my clients and love them and want them to find someone to spend their lives with. Or even if it's not a long-term relationship, it's whatever their goal is for themselves. So if someone comes to me and says, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I match up the wazoo, but the conversations die You know, after the, the intro. Nothing continues. Well, if working together, that changes. And all of a sudden, the conversation on the apps advance to meets and the meets lead to dates and date one leads to date two to date three to date four, then that's success. That was the problem for the client. And we have resolved the problem. It's not always about a client staying with me for six months until they're madly in love and there's a ring on their finger. I mean, it really is dependent on what the problem that the client presents on the onset of working together. Um, maybe these things should be obvious, but what are some, do you have any like across the board tips for people just in making their dating profiles, things to think about? Like obviously no pictures with your head cut <laughs> off, things like that. Put your face in there. Yeah, it's basics. Yeah. Put your face in. But really, I will see people that will put 12 pictures of them and maybe the first three are great. And then four through 12, they kill it for themselves. And I'm like, why don't you just stop? Quit while you were ahead. 
Um, if the picture is good, use it. If it's not good, don't use it. Unless your Instagram is professional grade and all your pictures are amazing, Instagram will typically kill it for someone, right? Someone's on the fence. Oh, I'll go check out their Instagram. The tipping point is normally not a positive result. So I encourage people not to connect their, their Instagram. And I mean, it's basic. You know, have your friend look at your pictures. Hey, is this a good picture of me? Yes. No. Oh, it's not? Why don't you like it? It's amazing what a second set of eyes will do. Even if someone doesn't hire me, ask your sister, ask your best friend, ask your neighbor, hey, look at my profile. What am I missing? Because people tend to miss the obvious when they're staring at it themselves. But a second set of eyes is really a great resource. I wanted to ask one more question, which is that I read an interview with you that had a very amusing anecdote about how you're walking on the street and there's certain people that you recognize because you've seen them on the apps, but they have no idea who you are. All the time. Yes. None. And I just like chuckle to myself. I'm like, I know more about you than I should. <laughs> Has that led to any amusing interactions where, you know... You, you accidentally... Well, yes, there's a, there's, there's a guy who lives in my neighborhood and we go to the same corner of Bodega. Now, I happen to know him loosely, obviously, from living in the same neighborhood. And I see him at the corner deli a fair amount. And he's such a good guy. And so... I had been chatting with him as another client and they were scheduling a date. And I think he even went out on maybe one or two dates. I forget what had happened, but I'm sitting there with my son in a stroller and he's chatting up this guy, you know, he's like, what's your name? My name's blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I know his name. Like, <laughs> You know? uh, and my son, maybe my son was like, you know, two and a half or three. He's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, he lives in the neighborhood. He lives three blocks from us. He works as a blah, blah, blah. Obviously, I don't say anything. I just smile. But it just happens. Or I'll see someone at the dog park. Or I was at a concert once and this guy walked by me and I was like, oh, it was like a celebrity sighting for me. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's four inches shorter than he stated. And <laughs> it happens. But you know, it's life. And it's, especially in New York City, it's close living quarters and you run into people. Why would someone lie about four inches? Like you'll find out when you meet them. People lie. I know. This is true, but people lie sometimes. I know. Um, and you know, it is what it is. People lie about age. People lie about height. People sometimes lie about stuff. It's unfortunate. People are liars. You heard it here. <laughs> Sometimes. I mean, sometimes people have to pad things. You know, people have to make a choice that's right for them. If they want to add an inch or shave off five years, you know, I, I can't tell people what to do. I do recommend, though, if someone is going to shave off, let's say, for example, five years of their age to be included in someone's search, that they state in their profile, hey, real ages, blah, 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 so that it's upfront. And that way it doesn't come back to bite them later. But I can't control what everyone does. No, oh, I so that's why that's there. Because I swipe sometimes and people will say, hey, I'm actually this age. And I'm like, why is it? But they make it seem like it's like a it's like an error. Yeah, they make it like, oh, Facebook has my false age. Um, <laughs> but we're all, you know, I'm onto that. And I think most people are onto that as well. It's not really a fake age. They want to be included in the search as someone 10 years younger. And that's okay. They're allowed to show up on someone's search. They don't want to miss the opportunity. And I think it's perfectly acceptable to be included in someone's search. Just come clean so that someone knows. And again, you don't want to start seeing someone and then feel like you were lied to. It's just easy to be upfront about it. Yeah. Well, that's also why they have the head cutoff photos because they're trying to pretend they're not bald. 
maybe, or maybe they just don't realize that they're not in frame. Cause sometimes I see people, you know, in like picture number three in frame and they have a full head of hair. I don't know. Ay, ay, ay. Well, do you have any final words of advice for us? Final words of advice. I think the dating apps are amazing. And I think that they have the capability to connect you to, I don't know, 60, 70 million people. Take advantage of it. It's the most efficient way to meet people right on your phone. You, you can swipe any time of day. I think it's brilliant technology. All right. Well, I'm looking to quit, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I want you to retire the apps too. This is, this could be your year. I think you got this. <laughs> I hope so. Thank you. You're so welcome. Great chatting with you guys. All right, Jen, I got to practice my exit. <laughs> yeah. So you're finding yourself stuck on these dates sometimes. Yeah, which is silly because I'm so concerned about like being rude, but I'm wasting their time too, right? Nobody wants to stick it out and then never hear from the person again or whatever, you know, but I'm like not good at getting out right away. Like I'd say I spend a minimum of 90 minutes on each date. And when she said 20 to 30 or whatever, that blew my mind. Yeah. And actually, I think it would be such a a less frustrating experience if I could get out that quickly. Yeah. Because it is like a part-time job. If you set up a couple dates a week, you're spending like 10 hours on that. Yeah. That also speaks- Quarter time. It also speaks to kind of just like going with your gut. Um, you know, in terms of how you feel about the person right away. I think she was mostly talking about like when it's pretty bad and like you just know, but um, it can also just be like if you're feeling uncertain, like just, yeah, the power to say, I, I got to get out of here. I'm not interested. So that's very empowering. All right. So what should, what should my exit strategy be? What should it be? Well, I have an emergency podcast. I like what she said <laughs> about having an early morning <laughs> meeting. What about I'm bleeding? <laughs> Is that <laughs> How about my friend Jen's work? bleeding? My friend yeah, is, I, my I friend think these bleeding. are all. I think these are all great. I like this emergency podcast thing because it's like this is not a news podcast. Like, oh, breaking news! I got to get on the mic. It's they like, don't know that. I had an idea, and I need to podcast yeah. right now. I have a thought. Yeah, have a conversation what, what, to do. Also, if what if I um just during the day just call them and I call in sick? Is <laughs> that'll work? <laughs> Wait, call you who? Know? I call that like I go to the bathroom and I like call him and I call in sick, you know, for the day, you know, like Like I'm not feeling well, I won't be able to make it back to the table. Yeah, And then you crawl out the window very not gracefully. Okay. Yeah. Do you think one of those are good? Please. Um, Yeah. You might as well make it as absurd as possible. Yeah. Um, What if I call and I'm like, oh, I died. (laughs) (laughs) You know, or sorry, I'm not available. I am, you know. Why don't you get somebody to come in for you and just be like, uh, Allie will not be returning to the date. And they can say it in a very monotone voice. And I, it could always be the same person. I'll do I, assistant. I think I've discussed on this podcast before the fact that I really want a monkey butler. That would be a perfect so, job. Except monkeys can't speak part English. Part of what my monkey butler could do is arrive to the bar wearing coattails and a diaper and having a tray that has a little card on it. And the card would say... Hallie will not be returning to this. <laughs> there you go. It would be worth buying but a monkey like, just for that purpose because he has a great story, like how the monkey butler let him know. Yeah, <laughs> and I also my monkey right butler there. will be adorable and not yeah. rub his feces because the diaper's taped on. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I think we found our solution. Okay, great. Um, I have two two quick uh, important questions slash points that I think you guys will like to dig into. Yes, if I may. please. One is. Meredith convinced me that it's not um, cheating, as we discussed earlier, in that she's just saying she's just setting things up. 
and then you're you're the one who goes on the date and that's the success story she's just getting you there and 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 she convinced me i'm on board with that premise but i think the devil's advocate argument is you know she talked about oh you pay someone to to paint your house and i get that and i want to outsource and contract out everything about my life but when you paint your house, it's sort of understood like this is the Matt house. Matt doesn't want to do any life. <laughs> I don't want to do anything. I don't want to mow my lawn. But but like this is the house and the house is being presented based on its look and its colors and whatever. And it doesn't matter who painted it. But in a dating context, you are presenting yourself. So if you are not the one, like if I'm talking to someone on an app, I want to know how good they are at like at banter, like as Ali was saying. And I think a lot of the banter is an indicator is an indicator to me of like chemistry. So if that is outsourced, then I'm not getting an accurate read on on like digital chemistry. If that's I don't well, yeah, think it matters. She was saying she doesn't banter. Really? She 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 doesn't think it matters. But I. It, it, those are two conflicting philosophies. Allie's, I, I agree with you, Allie, like having good but digital banter. I also banter, kind of agree with her right. because frankly, I've had dudes be super funny in their text banter and then right. they show up in real life and they totally. can't. So, okay. mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So maybe, yeah. maybe we're wrong. I agree. It doesn't always match. And if she's just truly handling the first couple of interactions, then totally that that's fine. I, I, yeah. But I do still want to come up with a term. It's not catfishing because the real person shows up. But during the online part, it's a different person. Yeah, it's ghostwriting for sure. No, but can we call it like like emoji ghostwriting, like uh, oh. mouse fishing? I, you know what I mean? Like there's something. <laughs> there should be another term for it. How did cat? Who trivia for next week? Who came up with the term catfishing? Yeah, good question. My perception is that you're when you are fishing and you think you have a good fish on your line because you can't see below the water and then you pull it up and it's a catfish. And I think I don't fish, but catfish are notoriously like you can't eat them. They're gross looking. No one wants to catch catfish. Oh, I think that's what it is. Oh. I, could be I kind of like like cornbread fried catfish. I, am I the only one? Is that OK? Is that a, is that a, a delicacy? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I do like some catfish. Though. No, it's true. <laughs> when you go to like soul food restaurants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is the equivalent? You're getting what you thought you got, but it's managed by someone that you didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's the equivalent um, there? Like stage momming? No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of. I don't know. I don't want to default to the to the term ghostwriting, but like when you read a book by a former president who doesn't have time or really good enough writing skills to write. What do you the mean book, the president doesn't have good enough? Well, not right now, but generally. Hey, listen, listen. But uh, but it is still that person's real story with real facts as conveyed by the real president. But uh, you hired someone to just put them into a book for you. That's ghostwriting, and you can think that's great, or you can think that sucks. But I think that is what we're talking about here, right? Yeah, sounds accurate to me. Ali just wants something catchy. I think that's. Yeah, I just want something catchy. I just want something catchy. Is that so wrong? No, you're a marketer, yeah. and and I respect that. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, if you have something to call this besides ghostwriting, let us know. Um, as always, we would love to hear what you think. If this is a service you would use, uh, if you think it's duping somebody else, or it's just a smart way to kind of get your foot in the door with some dates. So tweet at us at June Bugger. I'm at Ali Gold A L L I G O L D. And you can write us an email at two G one podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you as always. You can also call us and leave us a voicemail. We might play it on the show. That number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6 Finally, definitely, definitely check out our Discord server. If you have not been there yet, it's discord.gg slash 2G1P. As always, um, a really spirited conversation going on there with listeners of the show. 
And Allie, if they want to contribute to us, how do they do it? You can go to patreon.com slash 2G1P. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Jennifer Jamila and Allison Goldberg, and swiped right and super liked, I mean produced by Matt Silverman in New York City. This episode was edited by Danny Matias. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about love on the internet. The Podglomerate. A sonic universe. And every issue easily fixed by blowing on it, then shoving it back in. Five foot nine. (laughs) Dancer emoji.